0: This is Cold War Conversations. If you're new here, you've come to the right place to listen to first-hand Cold War history accounts. Do make sure you follow us in your podcast app or join our emailing list at coldwarconversations.com. Welcome to episode 10 of Cold War Conversations. Today we're moving away from the GDR and Czechoslovakia to the Soviet Union. But before we start, a quick plug for our Facebook group. We have veterans, academics and fascinated amateurs like myself contributing and discussing the subjects raised by the podcast. Just search Cold War Conversations on Facebook. You'll be made very welcome. So back to the Soviet Union. Today's guest is Jeremy Poynton, who was a 16-year-old schoolboy in 1968 when he embarked on a memorable trip by road from Leningrad to Odessa. He vividly describes the Soviet Union still struggling with poverty and a diverse range of peoples from city dwellers to remote Chechen villages. It's a unique story, as Jeremy details his experiences and the sights of a 1960s Soviet Union just as the Prague Spring was being suppressed. I hope you enjoy our chat as much as I did. We welcome Jeremy Poynton. Hi, Jeremy. How are you tonight?
1: Hi, Ian. I'm fine, thank you. Good to talk to you.
0: Yes, no, great. Thank you very much for coming on uh, Cold War Conversations. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing about your epic Uh, journey across the uh, USSR. Now, I understand that this was a a school trip. Can you tell me a little bit about your school?
1: Yeah, uh, the Leeds School in Cambridge, I would classify as probably a second string public school, uh, though I got a very good education there. Probably the last generation to get a proper classical education, <laughs> um, and as I noted, I think to you, uh, we actually had a Russian teacher there. He mostly did French, but he spoke fluent Russian. And I would think about five or six of us probably did O level, uh, with a view to hopefully getting the exam, but really to be able to get onto the school trip. I think he'd been there before himself once or twice but had never done a school trip there before uh, i do recall it took an awful lot of organization
0: well i was i was going to uh, ask ask you that because um i was wondering what your parents thought of you uh, going off to the soviet union
1: <laughs> well they they thought it was great actually
0: i could read a lot into that jeremy <laughs>
1: <laughs> well no they were i mean politically they were classic old school liberals uh we were from uh, the northwest near Manchester, and uh, that was very much an old school, pre-social Democrat liberal, um, stronghold up there. Uh, mum and dad were definitely liberals, I would say. Okay. Um, they certainly didn't think much of the Iron Curtain and the Eastern Bloc, but then nobody did.
0: Right. So they weren't worried about you not coming back and ending up in the Lubyanka uh, or anything like that?
1: No, I don't think so. They might have thought that was possibly bonus. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I
0: think you you mentioned to me that your the the teacher who led the trip, Mister Armstrong, um, had been to the USSR before, so um, he sort of knew his way a little bit around the around the country.
1: He did, he did certainly, um, and I believe, I don't know what the state of play was at the end of the, the, the Iron Curtain, but certainly when we went there, I think if you planned any sort of visit, it had to be, all the stuff had to be agreed, and if it was any sort of group visit, you had uh, someone from in-tourist, the Russian or the Soviet state uh, tourist agency, accompanied you all the time.
0: Right okay and the other uh because uh, how old were you at the time
1: i was 16 i think i had my 17th birthday uh, rostop on don
0: <laughs> oh lovely lovely yeah. i bet you remember
1: that <laughs> i do i do yes oh.
0: so um what what about the the rest of the party because i think there was uh mr armstrong um another teacher there.
1: Uh, and another teacher mr Chamberlain, uh, and, uh, old boy, who I guess has probably been gone for a couple of years, and I think probably seven, or, seven or eight of us current pupils.
0: Okay, and squeezed
1: into the, the two vehicles.
0: Wow, and and of those current pupils, you know, were they all of the same, you know, political persuasion as you, or were some of them more
1: well, um, or? Do you know, as a teenager, I was never that particularly interested in politics, and I think. In general, one might say 50 years ago, people were less interested in politics because we didn't have the media in our faces all the time. Yeah. So A, I wasn't that interested in it. I didn't really know, for example, whether I was conservative or Labour, right wing or left wing. I was aware that communism and whatever systems we had in the West were pretty directly opposed. I didn't know much about the gory history of the Soviet Union, for example. I knew obviously Stalin was a dictator. I knew there'd been a bloody revolution, but I wasn't as politically attuned, we say, as a modern day teenager would be. Right.
0: So you—you weren't. So it sounds like you—you know—you said you had a classical education. Your history teaching was more in the classics rather than modern history would that be
1: yes absolutely in fact i didn't do history i gave up history to do russian <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: okay
1: yeah wow,
0: wow. and yes. um it sounds like you had rather unusual travel how can i put it vehicles that you were using to uh, get around the soviet uh, union
1: well looking back on it it seems completely insane but we we managed fine we had one or two hairy things the jack didn't work on the dormer bill when a tire uh went flat so we actually had to hold it up uh, the rest of the party while the tire was put on (laughs) from what i remember we had very little trouble
0: gosh well that that, is amazing because i mean vehicles in those days were not necessarily renowned for their reliability but i guess they were simpler and easier to fix i think so and yes, Be- I think so. If you could just describe, because the the vehicles that you told me about is the Bedford Dormobile, which, sorry, yeah, go on.
1: Bedford Dormobile, which was a, which was a, a classic, uh, well, kind of similar, very similar to a Volkswagen. Um,
0: so a, like a Volkswagen sort of, camper van sort of thing.
1: Camper thing, yes. yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And um, that's
1: very on. basic. We, we, we brought minimum clothing and tents, basically, and some food um some food to keep us going right but we had very little as you can imagine we had the boot of the morris minor and the back and the roof uh of the van and that was it basically
0: wow and this was a morris minor convertible so it didn't even have yeah. a roof on it yeah right?
1: yeah no, a wonderful car
0: wow so um how did you get across to the soviet union because you didn't like drive we, we... through europe did you
1: no, we got, we got a boat. Uh, I think it was a Russian line of some sort. Uh, I think it might have been a cruise ship, but it might not. <laughs> uh, it was very basic. Uh, it was fine. We had a very stormy passage, I do remember. Everyone was throwing up. We stopped at Copenhagen and had a wander around there. We stopped at Helsinki and had a wander around there. And then uh, <clears throat> came into Leningrad. As it was, of course, then. Yeah. Uh, early the morning.
0: Okay. And did you? Uh, presumably, you came in past the Kronstadt Fortress.
1: That's right. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. So I didn't know much about it then. I wish I had.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate the photos that you've been posting today on uh, Twitter. They've they've given me some some great insight into uh, yes. what what you were seeing there. That was much appreciated. And we're Thank you. Pr- I'll put up some links to that on the um, Cold War Conversations website. So you arrive in Leningrad. The vehicles are winched off this liner onto the quay. And are you greeted by some in-tourist guide who then leads you? I
1: would have thought so. I don't remember uh, immigration, as it were, at all. I really don't remember the procedures or, or, or anything, but I would, have, I would have thought so, that we would have had someone attached to us at, at that point.
2: Yeah, okay. Um,
1: I think the, probably the first thing we did was go off, uh, and we were actually camped, in fact, about 40 or 50 kilometers north of Leningrad for some reason. Mm. I can't remember why that was, but uh, we were. So I suspect that we went out there first and set a camp. And then maybe went back into Leningrad uh, after that. Um, I have to say I'm hazy on a lot of the details as to how long we stayed at places.
0: No, um, I, I can imagine it was it was yeah. some time ago. So don't worry, yeah. I'm not going to want a an hour by an hour (laughs) by hour account. But I mean, I'm just fascinated to sort of, you know, hear hear your, your views of the, of the place and and what you saw and what you experienced. So what, what did you make of Leningrad?
1: Leningrad, I definitely preferred it to Moscow, which was gray and hot and dusty. Mm. Uh, Leningrad was, well, as we know, was designed to be uh, with water around it. Uh, Run down, but still obviously a beautiful city.
0: Yeah. And did um, they... Can you remember if the tour guide sort of took you to see, you know, like the Aurora, the the cruiser that fired the opening shots of the revolution? Uh,
1: we did. Right we there. saw that, yeah, where it was docked. I don't think we went on on board, but we, I do remember seeing that,
0: yes. Okay. And the presumably the Winter Palace was on the list. Yeah.
1: Now. Winter Palace. Uh, uh, we We were actually... Uh, we were allowed to wander around on our own in, or in small groups in the cities, um, a meeting again. We didn't have to be attended all the time. Uh, I do remember well just being astonished by the Orthodox cathedrals and churches everywhere, mm. how wonderful they were, and how how <laughs> how Rococo indifferent are our own very plain churches back here in England. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that struck me was. Um, The the services were attended by the very old and very few young people. Mm. It was almost all old women in black and a few young people looking slightly uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: And did you have much interaction with the locals? Did they want to talk to
1: you? Um. In so far as most of us pupils only spoke very basic Russian, uh, what we could. Mm. Um. I will say that almost wherever we went, if you had to queue for anything, we were always ushered to the front of the queue, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is very kind. Uh, and I do remember in Moscow, myself and a friend of mine, we went and had a couple of hours at the zoo and got on a bus and they they wouldn't let us pay. Wow. And they realized that we were, were foreign. Yeah. So yeah. it was, one didn't feel I'm amongst the enemy, shall we say?
0: Yeah. Yeah they were, they were very very friendly probably just in, intrigued because i think what people forget is how isolated you know people in the soviet union would have been because they you know they wouldn't be picking up tv broadcasts from anywhere else obviously there was no internet it was just purely soviet media that they would be receiving
1: i i think that was absolutely it that they wanted to know what was happening in the west right Yes,
0: which we will come uh, up to in a, in a moment. Well, well yes,
1: think. obviously that that got fairly well concentrated, but that was the general sort of what's going on out there. We don't really know what's happening anywhere except here, and well, obviously there's a lot of times when it was implied that we don't really know what's happening here.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: you did get yeah. people looking over their shoulders when they spoke to you at times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine. And I, I think you said that you, you had quite a lot of interest in your Levi's.
1: Yes, I wish I'd known. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd known because uh, on they were such a status symbol that people were paying an absolute ridiculous fortune for them.
0: Oh, gee, you would have ended up with rubles, which wouldn't have...
1: Yes, I know. It's hopeless. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you couldn't have got out or changed.
1: No, uh, exactly. But uh, And also, you could get... I didn't do it, but you could get very good black market rates for um, selling dollars or sterling mm-hmm. because um, there were shops and hotels Uh, where you could only use foreign exchange. So if, Mm. for example, you wanted a good coffee and a nice pastry, you'd have to go to a hotel. You wouldn't be able to pay for it unless you had dollars or sterling. So people would offer you silly amounts of rubles compared to the exchange rate for for dollars or sterling, yeah.
0: Right. And I presume this is when your in-tourist guide wasn't around, they'd be
1: doing this? Yes. Again, again, a bit shuffly, shall we say. Someone would shuffle up to you and – Yeah. Bares I wanted as well
0: Bares uh, oh yeah Bares yeah Yeah. wow oh okay and I get I can imagine yeah you thought oh I wish I'd brought a few more of these (laughs) with me well
1: exactly yeah or just hand them out like sweets
0: yeah as it were (laughs) yeah now you you mentioned uh, or or you you told me that um, in Leningrad and Moscow you had people come up who wanted to show you some of the cemeteries
1: yes Yes, absolutely. Uh, the cemeteries in both cities were quite extraordinary, uh, vast, and obviously cemeteries were very different to our own in that there were often photographs of the, the person who died and there were often tools of trade or similar, mm-hmm. uh, including one of a pilot with a quite tall obelisk with a full-sized propeller affixed to it. Gosh, which I wish I'd photographed, but I think I only had a couple of rolls of of things. But but yes, and a lot of them was, you know, the stories of their lives and things, which our teacher translated. And uh, a lot, of course, famous, I can't remember who, uh, politicians, writers, various famous Russians buried in them.
0: Okay, and I understand that in in one of these cemeteries, uh, you had a Czech student. Approach. We did.
1: We did, in fact. This happened twice. One was in the cemetery, and the other, I think, possibly near another one. I can only assume there were a lot of, certainly, I know there were a lot of Czech students in Moscow at the university there. I can only assume that they were all being watched because both times it happened really very quickly. Uh, well, a student had come up to us and started talking.
0: Yeah. And then then what what happened?
1: Uh, We had the first time as a plain coast policeman who pulled a gun on him, generally sort of waved it around uh, and marched him off. Yeah. Uh, uh, And the next time a plain coast uh, policeman with a soldier with a rifle. Appeared and marched the fellow off. So after that, we basically would ward people off if we thought there might be checks.
0: Yeah, because you you left in July, so before the end of the Prague Spring.
1: That's right. We left in July and left uh, middle of July and left right at the end of August. So during that time, we had we knew obviously of what had happened before, but we had no idea of what was to follow.
0: Right. So you had no. You you didn't know that that you know Dubček had been, uh, you know, the tanks had gone into Czechoslovakia? No,
1: no. Okay. Uh, we saw somewhere uh, Pravda with the headline, Great, great Victory for Soviet Diplomacy, <laughs> 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 which we couldn't really read anything into. Yeah. We just knew there'd been trouble and, okay, obviously it had been sorted out one way or another. But no, uh, until we left, we didn't know.
0: Right, and and while you were away, did you have any communication with, well, it sounds like you didn't have any communication with your parents, so did you send no. postcards
1: or anything? Cool. I, I think I sent, probably sent a couple of postcards. Yeah. Um, in Moscow, we popped into the embassy because they they recommend that you go to the embassy and register your presence. Yeah. Uh, so we did that. I do remember I asked if they could get me the test match score. Uh. And not about 10 really. minutes later, it came off the tele. That's that that's
0: what I call proper English. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was not am cricket mad, so I thought I'd, I'd risk it because I knew there was yeah. a test match on. But yeah, yeah bless them, they went off and got yeah. it.
0: I thought that's, <laughs> that's what all sp- those consulates and embassies were for. You know, like so. travelling English people wanting to know the test score.
1: No, I think so, definitely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you, I think you, you you mentioned that between uh, Leningrad and Moscow, you stopped at Novgorod as
1: well. Yeah, Novgorod, that? which is an old city, very beautiful, mm. uh, absolutely fantastic. The original walled city is uh, extraordinary. Uh, 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 very beautiful indeed, and very striking.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I saw uh, one of, one of your photos of uh, yes of Novgorod.
1: Yes, I read up a little bit more about it because of course, you know, I I remember these places but apart from obviously you know about Leningrad St Petersburg, and Moscow. Mm-hmm. Uh that's about it really. Yeah. Uh but I believe it is quite a quite a sort of architectural gem the fortress, uh, the walled city.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when when you were on the road, I mean, you you just camped
1: Anywhere or no? We had to camp at camp pre-assigned and pre-agreed um, campsites. Right. So we had to always make sure we were at them, et cetera. Et cetera.
0: Otherwise, they get the search party out, I presume.
1: Uh, yes, yes. Or well, as you know, as I mentioned later, we had problems because of that. Yeah. So yeah, I'd... you had to have a, every every place you were striking camp as it were, you had to be uh, had to be on the pre-agreed list
0: right and what about filling up with petrol and things like that was that quite easy to do or was that
1: well i think we must have managed we we were apart from going up into Chechnya, uh we were always on main roads really Uh, right okay big distances but um uh for example after moscow we went through i think kursk and kharkov Mm -hmm. uh and we may even have gone to Rostov-on-Don then before down to um, the Caucasus and Piatigorsk, but it was all main roads, certainly further south, not very much on them for long periods, Yeah. Um, but they were all main routes.
0: Yeah, because you you described to me, you know, uh, after leaving Moscow and going onto the Caucasus, a lot of road and rolling steps and, you know, not a lot there but you, you you talked about stopping at a very poor village can you describe a little bit about that
1: yes i i must say i can't remember where that was but i think it was not that far south of moscow um i think we stopped i don't know we I, uh, there was a funeral going on with people walking the coffin uh, and i think we stopped probably out of respect mm. uh uh and then I noticed that the deceased person in the coffin had their pennies on their eyes, which I know was a tradition, certainly in Ireland and I think parts of the UK way back, but I didn't know it was still still practice anywhere. Yeah. And yes, and then the coffin was taken into the local little church. Right. Uh, The people there were terribly poor. That was very clear. Mm. Uh, Poorly clothed uh, and looking somewhat stunted and, and ill. Right. Uh, No, that's it. Okay, so you could see
0: quite a difference in the, you know, quality of life between living in a city like Moscow and Leningrad versus being out in some of the more isolated rural areas.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, definitely, definitely. And even though somewhat downtrodden uh, and grubby, shall we say, in parts mm. of Leningrad and Moscow, uh, definitely better healed, for lack of a better term, than yeah. than the countryside,
2: yeah. which I think
1: really had not changed in decades, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Yes, it, it was it was very striking because, of course, I'd, I'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah.
0: And was there any evidence of like the the, the world War two battles or anything like that that you that you saw
1: I don't remember yeah. I don't remember certainly we didn't go near any of the big ones for example no, no. Uh, Stalingrad or anywhere we, yeah. we, we I no, was interested yeah.
0: because you mentioned you went near Kursk and obviously that yes. was the the, the large um, tank battle but I was just interested if you if you just yes. Seen yes, no,
1: I, I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. Kursk and uh Karkop I, I don't remember at all, I have to say. <laughs> <That wasn't, laughs> no, that, you, you weren't that.
0: hitting the vodka at that point, were you?
1: <laughs> no. I think they were very drab, frankly. Yeah. They were very, very drab indeed is what I remember. So, so a bit uh, like
0: a bit like once you've seen one Soviet town you've you've seen almost all of them to some degree.
1: Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, very, very much so. Yeah, very but it's, so. but
0: you you say that once you got into the Caucasus, the uh, scenery perked up. Let's say.
1: Well, the scenery perked up, and the people perked up, shall we say? I think as uh, certainly it certainly felt lighter that way down mm. that way. I would say. Uh, I'm not quite sure why, but um, Piatigorsk, I do remember, was very pretty. I think we stayed a couple of days there. It Had a beautiful lake. It had a viewing point which i think was a memorial to the writer lamontov okay uh which looked out over the caucasus so so that was rather fine Mm. what else did we have there Uh, yes going up into the caucasus we uh ran into a bunch of shepherds on the side of the road who just slaughtered a a sheep and insisted we had um kebab with them or shashlik, as it's called down there yeah uh, which was absolutely gorgeous, <laughs> yeah, done wow. on the spot,
2: you know, yeah,
1: to die for. Uh, I also remember there, that out of the hill, there were metal pipes coming out with carbonated water, ca- actually coming out of the the, uh, the hillside there. Fizzy wow. water.
0: So, so uh, none of those Evian bottles. It was just pouring out of the side of a hill.
1: Just absolutely pouring out the side of the of the hill. Uh, and there is, I know, somewhere near there called Minerali Mineralny Vodya, Vaj- I think. So mineral water, I believe. Right. So it's obviously famous, I guess, for sparkling water. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: Now, tell me about one of the uh, marvels of Soviet road building, the Transcaucasian Highway. The,
1: the Transcaucasian or the Georgian Military Highway, we were told about that with great pride and It was a magnificent feat of engineering going all the way through the Caucasus into Georgia. Mm -hmm. Uh, We hit it, and after about 200 yards of tarmac, it was basically the riverbed again. When they built it, they'd forgotten to factor in the fact that there are flash floods every winter, uh, and it just gets washed away (laughs) every time (laughs) they rebuild it (laughs) back then. So basically, it was as I guess it had been for centuries, really, riverbed with potholes and boulders which you maneuvered your way around yeah i think it probably was cleared occasionally i don't know we didn't see any bulldozers or anything but because it was the main highway and the military highway they must have kept it clear somehow
0: yeah yeah i mean i'm amazed your vehicles held up you know that that long because i I looked at it on google maps and i reckon you'd done about three thousand miles by the time you got to odessa
1: Yes, I would think so. In the Soviet Union, absolutely alone. And in fact, we then drove through Italy, uh, part of Turkey, Italy, and France going back. So that was another fifteen hundred or so. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm absolutely amazed. Um, I can only assume—I don't remember—that that, um, that both of the teachers were good mechanically. Yeah, I was going to um, say it was but, a
0: tribute to British engineering.
1: I think so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Now
0: you you get into the Caucasus and apparently you you did a bit of a detour into uh, Chechnya.
1: Yes, we did. I can't remember how it came about. I think it was very much, shall we? or what the hell! Uh, and we did it. Our uh, in tourist guide that we had for the second half of the journey was a drunk, so basically we took no notice of him. Really. <laughs> Uh, But uh, at some point, yeah, we we side road, we went uh, up into Chechnya. I don't know how far, uh, 20 or 30 miles, I would say. Uh, We came across, in fact, we stopped and came across a village on the side of the road, which was positively medieval. Um, All the inhabitants were still in furs with uh, ancient muskets Mm. uh, uh, and all in stone houses. Uh, all around the village, there were buildings that looked, they, looked, they were stone, but they looked, mostly looked like beehives. Hmm. Uh, when we looked closer, they were actually stuffed, ossuaries in effect. They were stuffed full of skeletons and bones. Right. Uh, and we found out that they'd had plagues there regularly. And if you came down with the plague, you got put in one of those and isolated and died, basically.
0: Wow so yeah. i imagine you didn't want to stay there too long
1: no it was a bit extraordinary going up and seeing they were rams so there were one or two which just had one or two skeletons in and if you were rich apparently you could have your own charnel house for lack of a better term uh to die in uh otherwise you were just crammed in with everyone else
0: wow Wow, and yeah. so when you got back on the the agreed route, um, what did the authorities think of your uh, excursion? Uh, uh,
1: we were hauled off. I can't remember. I think we were actually stopped on the road, so the word must have gone out uh, and hauled off to the local police station. I think they just told us we were very dreadful people and go on our way because I certainly I don't. We weren't charged with anything formally. We were told that we were endangering the five-year plan, which I think probably <laughs> produced some sniggering amongst us boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, it As a, a classic Soviet Union thing. The five-year plan was, you know, a thing of mockery, even back in the 1970s. Yeah. Five-year plan and tractor stats. Wow. Uh, but I think we were just told off very firmly that we mustn't yeah. do that, otherwise, you know, the economic future of the Soviet Union could be in danger yeah
0: and it sounds like you yeah. were quite a long way from the nearest British consulate where you were I would well.
1: think so yeah I would think to Tbilisi to I think probably would have been the next I think we were probably 50 or 60 miles away I should think right but yeah
2: okay and they
1: wouldn't have known what they wouldn't have known what to do with us anyway
0: no <laughs> no no um so you you move on into uh Georgia can you Tell me a little bit about what what that was like
1: Georgia was nice because there was a sudden change in in, in the terrain as it were uh, it was it's not a Mediterranean country, but it might have as well have been you know it's a warm uh, quite in a lot of places uh, cafes out on the streets, people eating and drinking in the streets. Uh, just a slightly more normal feeling than the, the rest of the Soviet Union that we'd left behind. Yeah. Food was nicer in the cafes. Um, the food back in most of the Soviet Union in the cafes, apart from the railway stations, which were renowned and were good, the food was absolutely ghastly in you know, the cafe. Oh, it really? was sort of noodles and, noodles and gristle, really, in a gruel.
0: That sounds so appetizing, Jeremy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, no, Georgia was lovely and there were there were vineyards and you could get you know, a glass of yeah. wine at the side of the road and people were friendly and smiling. Well, yeah, I guess like being in, in Turkey or somewhere like that, really. Um, definitely a, a switch in mood. Um,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't remember a lot about Tbilisi. Uh, itself apart we camped on the edge and we had a, a massive electrical storm every evening at six o'clock uh sort of just like clockwork mm. um i do remember a lot of the old churches uh where we traveled around in georgia very beautiful many abandoned uh orthodox some with frescoes inside yeah
0: okay and did you uh visit joseph Stalin's birthplace
1: We certainly did in Gory. Yes, Uh, that was a must. Yeah, couldn't have gone all that way. Uh, It's the house he was born and brought up in, but it's encased in a sort of a marble casing, as it were, a Mm -hmm. roof and marble pillars to hold it up, which is which is a bit odd. I can't remember anything in it in terms of items and articles related to his upbringing, apart from the paintings on the wall, which all, of course, featured him in a heroic mode. and didn't feature Lenin, who'd pretty much been disappeared by that time. Right, One or two yeah, one or two of them might have had Lenin sort of peering out of the, the back, as it were, looking over a shoulder, going, I'm here. But you wouldn't really have known that Lenin had been there had you not known that Lenin had been there, if you yeah. see what I mean. An early piece of photoshopping.
0: And I wouldn't imagine they'd yeah. get many Western tourists down there. I don't
1: right? think so, no. I, I don't think they would have done, no.
0: And and the the people sort of like looking after the museum, were they friendly or were they looking at you at, as, you know, lackeys of the capitalist West?
1: No, from everywhere I remember, from the, the Hermitage to, to any sort of local place like that, no, they they I think we're pleased that people from the West should come and look at these things. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's not patronising because, I mean, the Hermitage, even to a sort of... Stupid sixteen year old was a, a thing of wonder to see much so much extraordinary art yeah all over the, the place was uh, you could spend a life in there and not see it all for
0: sure. Oh ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We,
1: we did in some places have people show us some of the fantastic sort of Soviet style heroic statuary, uh, uh, and snigger a bit as it. We had one one guy, somewhere at Tbilisi, I think, who said oh, our statues they're not very tasty. <laughs> yeah. But but we agreed, yeah.
0: (laughs) And presumably there were still uh, statues of Stalin around then as well.
1: Hi, this is Rhonda in Virginia, and I support Cold War
0: conversations because I think the work that Ian is doing is critically important. I think
1: it's vital to record the firsthand accounts of people who lived and experienced the Cold War
0: that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate to find out more.
1: Uh, they, they, I think there were, yeah. I think yeah. there were probably statues of Stalin, statues of Marx. Uh, somewhere in the Caucasus, painted on a huge cliff, was long Live Stalin mm-hmm. uh, in, in Russian in, in sort of 10-foot-high letters. Uh, when that had been done, I don't know. But obviously, he's still got a, a degree of popularity back in his homeland.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So you then move on to uh, Sochi.
1: Yeah, it's Sochi. Um, it's a it's a tourist place. Uh, even back then, it was sort of one of the tourist places. If you high in the party, you went to Sochi for your summer holidays. Right. Uh, I remember it as rather pretty. I remember it tables all along the esplanade as it were along the side of the the beach with uh chess tables on them hundreds and hundreds i think it seemed to me everybody was playing chess yeah uh, people in their swimming trunks. so that was they were relaxed as opposed to not so further north yes it was just it was a, a holiday resort soviet style yeah we uh, we We again broke the rules and slept on the beach one night rather than the campsite we were meant to. Mm. Uh, It was right by, I guess, what was a a holiday camp, a Butlins or a Pontins, as it were. But at six o'clock in the morning, we were woken by the speakers um, booming martial music. And suddenly everyone in the camp shot out, jumping over us onto the beach and into the sea, held themselves into the sea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> leaving us decadent westerners fast asleep in our sleeping bag
2: yeah God,
1: <laughs> it was a bit sort of, it's a bit carry on soviet camping
0: yeah heidi high <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and i think you, you you mentioned something about educating the locals about football and i know you have a fondness for a certain team
1: <laughs> football the conversation that was actually up in the village in sheshenia believe it or not so I, how we communicated with them, I don't know, but they knew of Manchester United. Uh, I, being of the other persuasion, told them about Manchester City and made it clear that they were more important than Manchester United. So who knows? My work may have been done there.
0: Well, you might find even to this day, there is a small <laughs> Manchester City supporters club in a remote village in <laughs> near. <Jechnya.
1: laughs> yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Um, so from from Sochi, you move on to Odessa, which was the last town that that you you stayed in. What what do you remember of Odessa?
1: That that's right. Odessa was rather fine. Um, the Potemkin Steps, of course, in the Eisenstein film mm. uh, we went to see, and they they are absolutely amazing. Uh, yes, rather rather pretty city by the sea. We went to the opera. The opera house was rather fine. I didn't really get on with the opera, being a 16-year-old. What we hadn't realized when we went off to see the opera and when we left the boat was that you were meant to take your passports with you in order to get back on. Because Mm. as the boat was leaving the Soviet Union at that point, obviously people would try to get on to, to get the hell out. Yeah. So when we got back about 10 o'clock and we left a bit early, we were told in no uncertain terms, with rifles pointed at us, that there was no way we were getting on this boat and we would be staying in (laughs) Odessa, which was a bit alarming. Um, But I think it was a case of Mr Armstrong coming along and sorting it out.
0: Yeah, wow. So I I might not have even been talking to you today. You might have still been there. No,
1: I might still be laboring in the camps there.
0: Yeah. Wow. So I mean of of your your trip I mean, it sounds like an amazing sort of, you know, trip. Um what what's what would you say is your most abiding memory of, of the trip?
1: The churches and the monasteries.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Because they were so astonishing and so different. Yeah. The Hermitage Museum was quite extraordinary. Mm. The Caucasus, because they're a big mountain range, and I, I've never seen one before. Right. Friendliness of people. Never anywhere, I think, did we feel we're unwelcome. Yeah. You know, yeah. Okay, neutral a lot of the time, but never anywhere did I feel that even though technically we were the enemy, as it were, yeah. West East that we were we were seen as that at all.
0: Yeah. Wow. No, that's that's really, you know, that that that's really interesting. Do you, was there anything that sort of really surprised you? You know, you must have gone with some preconceptions of what the Soviet Union was like. Was there anything that you sort of thought, God, I never thought they would be like that or, you know, something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, everything we saw around us obviously had huge similarities to the West, mm. but it was all terribly degraded and poorly built and sad and sorry yeah you know the housing estates you really really would be very oppressive to live in I think they were cement yeah grey uh, uh, and blank yeah so I think I was yeah when you got it out of city centres and things you did think I really wouldn't want to live here it must, yeah. it must be oppressive and crushing yeah and and did you uh, which what, it was
0: yeah no, absolutely. D- were there a lot of yeah. propaganda posters and th- things like that around? Yes,
1: quite a lot, quite a lot. In fact, I came back with two huge posters—one of Marx and one of Lenin, neither of which survived long because they've been printed on very poor paper. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and a copy of the uh, the Manifesto of the Communist Party I bought somewhere for a, a couple of kopecks or something. Yeah. As a, as a as a, a memento. Uh, but I never read it in English or in Russian.
0: <laughs> no, I would imagine that would have made a very good doorstop. Yes, <laughs> <laughs>
1: that that was
0: really interesting. Is there anything else you want to, you know, you, you think I've I missed just, out
1: or? Uh, just thinking, I had a couple of things with through my head uh, the, the British Embassy is very beautifully placed in Moscow, as it looks over to the Kremlin over the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did go into the Kremlin. You can go to parts of it. Uh, and saw the extraordinary Fabergé, the jewelled eggs, oh, yeah. uh, the collection there, which are, were really—they were quite extraordinary—and uh, 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 did make you aware of the difference between the wealth and the poverty in, in Russia at the time of the revolution. Yeah, uh, not entirely surprising it happened. Now, what what I
0: normally do, Jeremy, is I do I I do ask. My guess, a few other questions which aren't necessarily related to the subject that we've been we we've been talking about, and I've, I've realised that I haven't sort of prepared you for these. But if anything comes to mind, then uh, feel free to share. But um, do you have a favourite Cold War movie?
1: Well, quite there's a, a spy who came in from the cold, which I watched when it came out and watched again recently. Early. Um, John le smiling yeah. with Richard Burton um, and how did Manchur- you find that
0: watching it a second time round did you oh, fantastic still-, still had the same impact
1: yeah 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 right yeah the sheer seediness of everything yeah on both sides yeah yeah, no, yeah very good brilliant film um, yes the Manchurian Candidate which has always been a favourite of mine yeah um, a slightly different aspect career obviously yeah, uh, but the Cold War. Um, yeah, yeah. of Spies, the Spielberg movie, quite recently, which I thought was was better than I expected. With Tom Hanks.
0: Yes, it was yeah, um, I'd agree with you yeah. there. I thought they were going to yeah. really give it the big Hollywood treatment, but they yeah. um, did keep it relatively. Um,
1: yes, real, it was quite good. Yeah, I would think the ultimate. I'm. I guess the ultimate for me would be the, the TV serialisation of Tinker Tailor with right. Alec Guinness, the six-part one, which I I just think was absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and better than the film. The film was too quick, really.
0: Well, yeah,
1: I think that's... If you with see a, what I mean.
0: Yeah, with, a t- with that TV series, they could pace it much better. Yes, um, yes. Whereas with the film, you've got to try and squeeze in a complex <laughs> story.
1: Yes, absolutely. I thought the film was good, but I thought the TV series was, it was just absolutely brilliant at the time, and, and again, when I rewatched it a few years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, when you were
0: in the Soviet Union, you were 16. What sort of music yes. were you into then?
1: Uh, at that time, well, I, uh, Beatles, Stones. Yeah. Uh, I was just getting into music from what was called West Coast Rock, Just an Airplane and the Grateful Dead. Um, the school I was at in Cambridge had a lot of kids of local dons,
0: Right. And academics.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I got to hang out with some, some interesting people there, Kane's family, for example.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, as in John Maynard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: he, yeah, a great, great. Uh, he was their great uncle. Yeah. Um, but mum was a direct descendant of Darwin as well. Uh, we're hugely into Dylan. Um, a lot of our friends had American lodgers. So as I said, they were bringing in albums 5, Jefferson an airplane,
2: yeah Grateful
1: Dead, yeah. So a lot of the fairly mad music that afflicted us in the middle of the sixties, really.
0: Yeah. Now I did a bit of research on your school earlier and it looks like you you know, you had various uh Tonga Tonganese royalty uh which yes. was there.
1: Uh, I was at school with the current king of Bahrain, sorry. Well, there you go. <laughs> we yeah. haven't kept in touch. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> I know. He didn't I come know. on the trip with you, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, no, some very well-known names. So um...
1: yeah, yeah, a few. Yeah, well, I mean, I I was very lucky. Yeah. Uh, my my father worked himself into the you know, into the ground to send his three boys there. Um, I was a smart little fella, so I, I enjoyed it and uh, had very good teachers. Um, yeah, feel you know very privileged, but um, worked hard and uh, learned a lot and um had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Hitchens was Christopher and Peter Hitchens were both old. Yeah, no, I saw I,
0: yeah. I saw that I saw that on, on on there as well. Yeah, it was a veritable who's who when I was looking
2: through
0: it. <laughs> now another another question I I ask is if you could invite three personalities from the Cold War for a chat or a pint, who who would you want to talk to, would you think?
1: Well, Mikhail Gorbachev, I yeah. would think, would have to be one. Yeah. And given that it'd probably have to be Ronald Reagan. And then it would probably have to be someone from the beginning of the revolution who wasn't too appalling.
0: That's gonna be quite a short list, I would assume.
1: <laughs> <said. laughs> yeah. <laughs> who was the who was the guy who Lenin shoved out? Kerensky was it? Oh.
0: Uh, yeah, he was the leader of the provisional government, and then Trotsky got the, right. got the ice pick in Mexico City, didn't he? In the... The,
1: yes, that's right. But Kerensky was shafted because, yeah, and it was, was that his name? I think it would have to be him, the guy who okay. who set up the provisional government and then got shafted yeah. because he wasn't radical enough. But like, I think it'd probably have to be Reagan and and Gorbachev.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's that's a good mix uh, yeah. mixture there. That's good. And just looking at sort of like current TV and films, and we've sort of touched on it to some degree, but is there a a good film recently that you think has, or or not so recently, that sort of captures the sort of feeling of the Cold War? And I know you mentioned (laughs) Bridge of Spies, but.
1: Yeah, there's one last. One does come to mind. Doctor Strangelove.
0: Love. Oh, I've been waiting for somebody to mention that one.
1: <laughs> that, that does, to a certain degree, capture some of the uh, the aspect of it because it was it was cold, but it was also fevered.
2: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. A lot
1: of the time, it was fevered. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah, think, in uh, many ways, it would have to be Strange Love because that's... it, it cr- cranks it up
0: yeah no that's a great that's a great choice we'd we'd definitely um have have that on the list i mean what what after you left school what did you uh, do you mind me asking what you ended up you know what career you ended up going into uh,
1: I, I ended up in it but about 10 years i went to oxford university yeah uh and then i got a degree i so fed up books i did manual labor and worked as a printer and. I worked for a guy, who, the original lights guy for the Pink Floyd. Yeah. Around the time I said I worked for him making stuff for Lighting for a bit. Yeah. And then I got a family and a mortgage and thought I'd better get a career. So I went into IT about the age of 29. Right. Uh, and that's what I did till I I, I, I retired. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit You're of a hippie, really. A bit of a hippie. I, I do feel privileged. I did get lucky. I I think one thing I did realize from that Ian is that it's never the people of a country who are at war with each other it's always the governments. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, and <laughs> and, that, and that's very much apparent from you know your 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 descriptions there you know you that you know you're, yes. you're saying you know there's no animosity there whatsoever there's there's a curiousness. Well Jeremy that has been great you know really fascinating.
1: Yeah, well, I'm pleased to share it. It's been sitting there for fifty years, so it might as well have an airing.
0: Yeah, no, well, I'm delighted that you've uh, allowed me to to uh, have a chat with you and um, and and tease out some of these these gems that you've uh, that you've given us tonight. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Yeah, good fun. All right, thank you. Take care. Yeah, bye. See you. Bye. I do hope you enjoyed our chat with Jeremy. If you'd like to understand more about the subjects, books and films we discussed, there's links in the show notes at coldwarconversations.com slash the word episode and the number 10. Don't forget, you can join our discussion group on Facebook. Just search Cold War Conversations. And we're also on Twitter at Cold War Pod. If you like what you're hearing, please leave reviews on iTunes or with your podcast provider. Thank you very much for listening. Not enjoying the ads? Well, you can avoid them by going to coldwarconversations.com slash donate. By becoming a monthly or annual supporter, you'll enjoy ad-free listening, become a part of our community, receive the sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster and bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com/slash/donate for more information.